How are we doing? I really encourage you to, to head along next week. Um, I know Easter's a great time to come to church, but uh, next week we start a new series, and um, it's sort of May, but we're going to start the week early because Mother's Day falls in the middle of May and messes things up for us. Um, but we're going to do a series on supernatural, not the TV series, um, but the Bible had it well before the TV series was around. So we're going to talk about the supernatural things of God and how you can actually step into the supernatural things of God, how they work today, that, you know, God still does miracles. He didn't sort of die and then not come back to life, and that was the end of it. He still does miracles. He still changes people's lives. He still impacts. And the amazing thing is that the only criteria for God doing something miraculous in the life is to believe that he will. So we're going to talk about that whole area over the next month, and um, so I really encourage you to be here. Pastor Dale's going to preach next week on, I've forgotten the title, it's on the thing, whatever, whatever the top one is on your list, because I'm sitting here with none trying to cheat off the front row, and there's none there, all right? But um, God's presence in your life, that you can have God in your life even when you walk out of church. We're going to talk about things like healings and miracles and so on, and then the third week becomes um, Mother's Day. And if you're a mum, you want to be here, because cool stuff happens on Mother's Day for mothers. But if you're not a mum, you still want to be here, because the great thing is that we all get to, to glow, you know, bask in their glow and, and pinch all their good stuff and all the leftovers. So it's good to be in church, isn't it? Easter eggs, good stuff. Anyway, let's talk about Easter. And this is really the final one in the series we've been doing on ultimate love. And as I thought about Easter, I thought, you know, there's a lot of traditions that go with Easter, a lot of thoughts that go around it, a lot of, you know, stuff that goes with it. You know, some people go, well, you know, shops don't open on Good Friday, and so they shouldn't. Um, You know, we don't play AFL football on Friday. We can play waffle, but we can't play AFL. Um, It's probably the best long weekend all year. (laughs) You know, you get Friday off and Monday off. Isn't that great? And if you're really smart, you took three days off this week and you get 10 days for the price of three because we've got Anzac Day next weekend. Then there's the whole tradition of eating, you know, eating Christmas buns. Christmas buns, Easter buns. I know where I am. Those hot cross ones, yes. I haven't had mine this morning, as you can tell, you know, looking for my chocolate, looking for hot cross buns. But we do that on Friday, you know, we eat hot cross buns. And, and I remember growing up, actually, because my, my family was fairly traditional back then, it's not so much now, but um, it was like you had hot cross buns on Friday and there was no way you'd eat them on Sunday because Jesus was no longer on the cross. Nowadays, we'd eat them five weeks before Easter and three weeks after then we get to Sunday where we do the mass swapping and the mass consumption of chocolate, you know, and Easter eggs and bunnies and every other shape that comes along. You can do bilbies now if you really want to. You know, it never seems to end. And then there are those who really extend the traditions of Easter into a thing called Lent. And Lent is actually taken from the Old Testament and sort of equated from the Jewish cycle into the Christian cycle, where you actually go without certain foods leading up to Easter. And so you can't eat meat at certain times. Some people won't have any yeast products in their house. You know, some people fast off different things. Some people use it as a cleansing diet. 
I noticed the Carlton Football Club used it this year to fast off winning. <laughs> we'll see how they go today. But let's not talk about football this weekend. <laughs> but there's so many traditions. And what's the point of all the traditions? Do they really mean anything? How does this all relate into Jesus? You know, did he fast off food? Did he eat hot cross buns? Did he have chocolate Easter eggs? Not really. I want to tie it into the whole series we're doing on love, actually. You know, we've talked about the guys and the girls thing. We've talked about families. We've talked about how you can be a real guy and still love. We've talked about knowing yourself and the weird way that we're made up that's absolutely awesome. And if you want to hear some of those sermons, you can jump on the website and you'll click through the previous weeks and you can see them all there. But today I've entitled the sermon, Ultimate Love, because that's what Easter is all about, ultimate. So what really is love? Just to recap from the first week, we said real love is not a feeling. It's not something you fall in and out of, like you fall in and out of a ditch. It's a choice. It's an act of your will. You either choose to love or you choose not to love. It's easy to love when everything's going well, isn't it? You know, you see couples have just met and they come into my office and, you know, we want to get married. And they look at each other and everything's perfect. And then they get married. And the reality sinks in. It's even better than perfect. Sorry, my wife gave me a look. (laughs) But love is not just that emotion you feel when you first get together. It's that emotion when your spouse wakes up and, you know, their nose is running and their eyes are running and they're looking grey and terrible and, you know, this never happens to my wife, but, you know. um, And they don't look glamorous. I can remember a friend of mine um, when he first got engaged and, and his, his fiance lived in another town. And so he went and stayed and the parents were very strict that he stayed out in this end and she stayed up that end. And, and he thought, I'll be really clever and I'll make the family breakfast. So he made breakfast and um, so he thought, I'll, I'll take it into my you know, fiance and surprise her. And he knocked on the door and, and started to open it and she yelled at him and actually threw the pillow at the door and said, don't come in. You haven't seen me without makeup on. You can't come in. So it's even, you know, loving your spouse when they haven't got makeup on. It's really hard for you ladies, I know, to love us guys without makeup. But as I thought about this, I thought, what happens when you choose not to love? What happens when you get to that point where maybe you're in a relationship, it could be a marriage, it could be friendships, it could be children, family, those around you. What happens when you come to that point where you've been hurt, where someone's done wrong by you, and you choose not to love? You go, you know what? I want out of this relationship. I I want out of this whole situation. I don't want to be around here anymore. Because that happens, doesn't it? The emotion, the feeling is gone, and following that is that choice. As I thought about this, I thought it's a bit like... um, Salination of, of land. I grew up in Kalgoorlie, and to get from Kalgoorlie to Perth, you usually have to drive down a long road. 
And part of that is you go through the wheat belt. And in the wheat belt, there's these, these massive salt plains where they went through back before they knew about this stuff and they just cleared mass areas of land. And what would happen is when they cleared all this land, the trees all gone, they no longer kept the water table down below the surface. Yes, there is actually water out there occasionally. And this, the trees, by keeping the water down, would actually keep all the minerals down because the land's fairly rich in minerals. With the trees gone, there was nothing to stop the water from rising. There was nothing to drain the water away. And the water rose, carrying with it all the minerals that were way below the surface, including salt. And that salt rose up, and what happened eventually is that the soil became salty. And so while they cleared the land to, to put in all these crops, they couldn't put the crops in because the soil was too salty. There was nothing to stop the water rising, nothing to stop the salination of the land with the, the salt coming up. And so the land became useless. And that's like our hearts. When we clear our hearts of the choice to love people, love stops flowing through our lives. You see, you can't actually take your life and go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love here, but I'm not going to love here. I'm choosing to no longer put love into that relationship where it was previously. Now, I understand that there are sometimes relationships that are really unhealthy and you need to cut them off. All right? I'm not talking about those situations where you need to walk away from an unhealthy situation. What I'm talking about is making a choice not to love where you've loved before. Where you're going, I no longer feel this anymore. And sometimes that's because of hurt that's come your way or sometimes it's where we've, we've hurt ourselves and we can't forgive ourselves. We've let stuff come into our lives and, and we're upset with ourselves and we take it out by not loving other people. And what happens, the Bible says, it calls that a hard heart. And the funny thing is when you start to harden a part of your heart, it actually starts to harden all of your heart, just like that salination. You know, they, the farmer can't go, well, I'll just have the salt in that part of the field and I'll use the rest of it. No, that water just keeps rising and everywhere it hit that water level, the salt rose up and the paddocks of a massive amount of area became useless. Nothing would grow there. They couldn't even put the trees back in to regrow the trees because that's become too hard. The soil is just solid. And that's like our hearts. When we choose not to love, when we choose to cut love out of our lives, our hearts become hard. How do we do this? We can do it through in a relationship and then deciding we just don't want to anymore. You know, we don't feel it anymore. It's not happening anymore. So we want to walk away. Maybe there's been a situation where you've been hurt. Someone's done wrong by you. And as a protection, because you don't want to be hurt anymore, we step back and we put up barriers. Maybe it's where we've done wrong. And we're finding it hard to forgive ourselves. And so we put up barriers, again, to protect us, maybe because we don't want the stuff to come out that we've been doing wrong or has happened in our lives. But every time you put up a barrier, 
you start to harden your hearts. It becomes like that salt working through your hearts. And you lose that capacity for love. And I find one or two things happen if you let this process keep going. One is you either distance yourself from people, and so you have very superficial relationships, but you don't go deep, you don't connect, you don't sort of relate to anyone. Or the other thing is that you get into situations that aren't healthy. You maybe go from partner to partner, relationship to relationship, or get into relationships that are unhealthy, where there's even abuse going on. Now, they're the extremes. Not everybody ends up there. But there's warning signs along the way. You see, this is the thing about Jesus wanting to come into your life. He wants to come in and be a part of all of your life. And our capacity to love God is actually determined by how much we love each other. Jesus actually puts the two together. Time and time again, he says, the greatest thing you can do is love God with all your heart and love those who are in your world. He says it time and time and time again. He even says, look, if you come into church and you've got a problem with somebody, go and sort that out before you come back and love on me. Pick up the phone and ring him. I mean, he didn't say that, but that's what he would say today. Give them a call and sort it out, at least from your end. Because God knows that when we start to cut out parts of our life, we actually start to cut Him out of our lives. And then God becomes like a bit of a hobby in our lives, something we do occasionally. You know, maybe on a Sunday, once a month, if you're lucky, and the weather's right, and the kids slept the night before. And there's no footy game on too early. And God becomes a hobby. But God was never meant to be a hobby. See, what Jesus went through was so that he could be the central part of our lives. I mean, think about it. You know, they took Jesus in the garden they dragged him and put him into a trial while he was falsely accused. And they beat him. And they spat on him. And that was the nice part of the day. From there, they took Judean thorns. And Judean thorns are you know, not like the little prickles we get out of front of the lawn and you walk on them, oh, they hurt my foot. Judean thorns are as hard as nails. And they take this, this row of Judean thorns and make it into this crown and they put it on his head and they're not content just to have stuck it on his head. They take a stick and beat it into his skull. And this is still the good part of the day. Because from there, they beat him and then they took him out and chained him up and they whipped him. And the whips back then was a thing called a cat of nine tails. It had these nine strands and they would tie bits of bone and pottery into the whip. So that when the whip went around you and used to, they stand on the side of you and actually go around the back and grab into the other side of you. And when they had a good grip right across your back, 
Then they'd pull the whip. So that tore the flesh completely off your back. Then they put a robe on him and beat him some more. And they mocked him. And then they gave him his wooden cross and said, carry this. And as he put the cross on his shoulders and across his back, which has been torn to shreds, to splinters, it wasn't a nice, smooth piece of wood. It was just freshly whacked off a tree. Splinters digging into his shoulders and his back that's now open. It's no wonder he collapsed on the way to the hill. When he gets to the hill called Golgotha, they lay him out on the cross. Splinters are fresh into his back and his arms and legs. And then they took the nails, which are like railway spikes. They're like this big. They're that round. And through his hands and his feet, they nailed him to the cross. Then they would pick the cross up so he was hanging from his hands and his feet and drop it into the ground, pulling on the nails. The way you die on a cross is by asphyxiation. Try asphyxiation. You actually get to the point where you can't breathe. And the only way that you can breathe when you're on the cross is by pulling on the nails in your hands and pushing up on the ones in your feet. This was Jesus. This was his ultimate love for us. This was him not holding anything back. This was him saying, you are the most important person in his life. And regardless of what you have done or what has happened in your world, Jesus loves you. And the amazing thing is, if there was nobody else across all of creation, there was only you on this earth, he still would have done it. He still would have suffered and died for you. Because God wants no barriers between you and him. And that's what the sin and the wrongness in our lives, and the things done to us, and the things that we've done in our lives, that's what they call. They cause a barrier between us and God. And God says, I don't want any barriers. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to give you the ability to live a full and abundant life. I don't want to be a hobby, God says. I want to be what your life is all about. The awesome thing is, he didn't stay on the cross. He died. They took him down and placed him in the grave. But he wasn't sleeping. 
He went down to hell, beat up some demons. See, they were having a party down there. They thought they'd won. But he went down and he grabbed the keys to life. And then he rose again. You know, I was up this morning early and saw the sun rising, nice pink sky. And it really reminded me that Jesus is risen. He didn't stay alive. He didn't stay dead in the grave. He came back to life because he cares about you. And when he did that, he buried every sin you have ever committed. He he buried every bit of pain and grief you have ever suffered and that you ever will suffer. He took all of it when he was on the cross and he took it into the grave and he came back to life. The rest of it, he left buried because he wanted nothing between you and him. He wanted to be the center of your love. He gave you his ultimate love. What he wants from you is your ultimate love. He wants you to choose him to be the center of your life. Luke chapter 24 verse 46 says, It's written and it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day that the repentance and remissions of sins should be preached in his name to all nations. What's he saying? I died so that you wouldn't have to. Sure, we have a physical death, but we don't have to have a spiritual death. We don't have to have that God-sized hole inside of us, that one we try and fill up with life. We don't have to have a life without love. We don't have to have a life with barriers up, trying to keep people out because of what they've done to us or what we've done to ourselves. You don't have to carry that weight through life. That's why Jesus carried it. That's why he died on the cross, to take all that sin, to take that burden, to take the guilt and the shame so that you could be free so that you could walk in abundant life. But you have to make a choice. You have to drop the barriers and say, I need God in my life. Not just as a hobby, not just as a Sunday thing, but an everyday thing. Every moment of every day. I'm going to ask everyone just to Close their eyes and bow their heads as we finish. I want to ask this Easter, where are you with God? Is he a hobby in your life? Is he in your life at all? Or is he the center of your life? Is he your everything in your all? Jesus gave his all. We celebrate that today. And he came back to life so that he could forgive you, so you could be free, you could forgive yourself. 
of the things that have happened to you, the things that you've done in your life. But you have to make that choice. I want to ask right now, everyone's got their eyes closed, their heads bowed, to give yourself an Easter gift and give yourself Jesus. If you're here today and you've never had a relationship with God and you want to have that relationship, you're saying, I need Jesus in my life. I need to be forgiven of the things I've done wrong. I need to be free of the guilt and shame of what I've done and the things that have been done to me. Or maybe you've walked with God, but He hasn't been the center lately. You've walked away a bit. You've disconnected. And you're saying, I need to get right with God today. I need Him to be more than a hobby. I need Him to be the center of my life. Or maybe you're just not sure, and you want to be sure where you stand with God today. I'm going to ask, I'm not asking you to come to the front or anything else. I'm just saying, where everyone's got their eyes closed and their heads bowed. If you're saying, please include me in the prayer at the end of the service. I need Jesus in my life. Just put your hand up now so I can see it. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Once you put it up, you just put it down. Just slip it up and say, please include me in that prayer. I need Jesus in my life. Thank you very much. I need to get things right back with God. This is between you and God. Thank you very much. Anyone else, a few more seconds before we say this prayer, just say, look, include me in that prayer, please. Thank you very much. Please include me in that prayer. I need Jesus in my life. Thank you. I need him to be the center of my life. I want to commit myself to him. I want to be free of the guilt and the shame. I want the abundant life that he offers. Last couple of seconds, anyone else, just slip your hand up, say, include me in that prayer. Okay, let's all stand together. If you put your hand up, we're going to pray this prayer, but as we do it, I want you to repeat after me. I'm going to ask everybody to repeat after me, and if you put your hand up, I want you to pray it with everything you've got inside you. Just speak those words out. We're going to ask Jesus to come afresh into your life. We're going to give ourselves to him afresh. Just welcome him in. As you speak these words, Jesus says, if you acknowledge me before man, I'll acknowledge you before God. So as I pray this prayer, speak these words out. We'll all do it together. But if you put your hand up, or you didn't put your hand up and you wish you did, speak these words out. And let's give our lives to Jesus. Father God, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you sent Jesus to die for me. Thank you that he suffered for my sins. That he suffered for my pain. I give you my life now. I ask you forgive me of my sin. Set me free from guilt and shame. I put my life into your hands. I renounce my old life. And I choose from this point forward 
to live for Jesus Christ as the center of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.